Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and it's not every day you get to meet with someone who's called the best and brightest by Esquire's genius issue of their magazine, or get to actually talk to someone who's an astrophysicist who turned into a new media whiz, according to NBC. Uh, Joshua Spodek's on the line with us, and he's been uh, basically quoted and profiled in all these major publications and TV uh, outlets like ABC, CBS, NBC, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Uh, some neat things about him is he went to North Korea twice. I haven't even been to North Korea, and I'm Korean. <laughs> he swam across the Hudson River. That's got to be insane. And he's done burpees every day for the last seven years. He's done over 100,000 of them. I don't even know how to do like a single burpee. Maybe you can teach me on the show today how to really do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what we'll be going over today is something a little bit more interesting. It's how to lead people without relying on authority. I know that's a real topic here out in the world like a lot of people they go into their roles at work they're looking at their position and they're like you know I'm just a junior employee here I'm never going to get into a leadership role I don't have authority in my title it's not saying I'm not a CEO I'm not the director I'm not the VP can I even have a role to lead and I'm assuming that the answer to this question is probably a yes right yeah you know a lot of people would come to me and they'd say the, the biggest problem they had was with their managers. I mean, people mm. would not know how to deal with their managers. And so many people just think, well, you just got to take it. They're the boss. I'm not. They tell me what to do. I got to do what I'm told. And over the years, I developed a practice of how to lead, how to get people and to enable people to lead their managers, to manage their managers. And when you don't have authority, there, that doesn't mean you don't have tools. In fact, what I find is that when you lead people without relying on authority, People start doing things for their reasons. And if you find out what motivates someone and you use that emotion that's already there, that motivation that's already there, people do things for their reasons and they'll often work harder, even if they're not reporting to you. And then it turned out that even though this all started with how to manage your manager, it applies Mm -hmm. way in, in like every place in life. I mean, certainly people outside your company, clients and potential clients with interviews, uh, and in sales or when you're looking for funding, when you're looking to get hired. But also, it's all, you know, everyone that I work with, at some point they start coming back to me and saying, oh, you know, I started doing this with my husband, with my wife, with my kids, and it really works. Oh. And what you start doing, it's this funny thing at the beginning. People say, wait a minute, you want me to get access to their emotions and then lead them through their emotions? Isn't that manipulation? And... It's actually the opposite. It's when you find out why people are doing something or why people want to do something, you connect that motivation to task, that makes that task meaningful. And it makes motivating people through, you know, if you do this, I'll give you a bonus. And if you don't do it, I'm going to fire you. That's, that's, there's no meaning behind that. That's just telling people what to do. Yeah. And, and also when you, when you use authority to lead someone, usually it motivates that person to push back or even undermine your authority, which is counterproductive to leading them. So all these things came together. And in the end, it's, it's a more meaningful way of interacting with people. It gets them to work harder and thank you afterwards. 
Yeah, like I've heard of a story. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Keith Ferrazzi. Back when he was working at Starwood Hotels, like he had the situation where he was going out there and he wanted to be the CMO. And he's like, okay, in order for me to be CMO, one of the things that I really want is to be able to control spending for the whole global enterprise. And the person who was in charge of the spending at Europe was like, nope, that's not for me. I don't care if you have that position. I don't care if you have that title. I'm not going to comply. And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to force you to just follow my rules. And what ended up happening is that leader of uh, that leader, that person who was in charge of uh, Europe ended up being the CEO, CEO of the company. And guess who was the first person who was kicked out? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tough situation, right? And that's how a lot of people really go at it. They go with that, oh, look at my title. I'm going to go lead because I have this strong title. But that's not really the right way to lead because you hold people disgruntled. They could end up doing things in the end. And they're kind of ta- doing those things that you talked about where they're disgruntled. They don't want to do the things. And the first opportunity they get to like overturn you, they will. And Keith obviously learned from that mistake nowadays. And he's doing a lot better and understanding the truth true meaning of leadership and how to really lead without without uh, having that authoritative position kind of like you once had before and teaching others how to do the same. And it seems that you're doing a very similar thing here. What, what's some key traits that uh, you really look for when someone's going out there and they're like, how do I become a leader when I'm not, when I don't hold that title? I'm glad you asked traits because it really comes down to what you it, you know, more than what you know or whom you know is do you have the skills, do you have the experience to draw out from people what motivates them? You know, if someone has a motivation to do something, use that. That's, their internal motivation is always going to be more powerful than something you can layer on top of that. Or you, know, you might get compliance if you tell them to do something. And so the challenge is how do you get them to share what motivates them? Because usually that is something that makes people feel vulnerable. If I let you know what motivates me, uh, that opens me to being judged or being laughed at or being manipulated. And so people protect that. So what I teach and what I coach is how to behave and communicate in ways that make the other person feel comfortable sharing what motivates them, which normally makes them feel vulnerable. Then when you have, when they share that with you, then to connect that to the task and they'll, they'll usually thank you for that. Now, that's something internal, but it's something anyone can learn. It's just a matter of asking the right questions, and then ask, ask, after you ask the questions, it's to behave in a supportive, non-judgmental way that puts their interests first, not yours, so that they feel comfortable knowing you are going to honor, respect, treat them non-judgmentally, treat them supportively. And that's, for a lot of people, that's hard because if you're used to watching TV, you know, the boss is always, like, telling people what to do, and everyone follows, yeah. and it's very dramatic, but it's not very real life. So people don't usually have very much, don't have role models to follow for being supportive and non-judgmental. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Another thing that I really see coming up as like a common occurrence with issues is like the person who's only been at their role in their position for about three months and they're brand new to the company or the person who doesn't have a degree and they're working around people who have like maybe five degrees like you or the person who's going out there and maybe they have like two years of experience while everyone else has like 10. Like they have that kind of lack of confidence where they're like, I don't know if I could really speak up. I don't know if I could really lead. I see things going on, and a lot of these people just stay quiet. They're like, 
I see things going wrong, but I don't want to bring it up to anyone because I'm scared that I'm going to get yelled at, I'm going to be told I'm wrong. And they just don't have that confidence to really go out there and communicate their uh, sense of leadership and really go out there and do the things that you're suggesting. What would you tell to them? Oh, yeah, that's a big issue that people feel nervous and anxiety when you have to make a big jump from what you're used to doing to what you've never done before. No matter how effective it is, if you're scared to do it, it's really hard. And my model for learning, I view leading others as a performance, almost an art. And we know how to teach performance arts, like how to act, how to dance, how to sing, how to play a musical instrument. You start with the basics and you do small advances. So you don't go from learning scales to playing Carnegie Hall. From scales, you do a little more complex pieces. After you master a little more complex pieces, you do more complex. And then you'll play a recital maybe for your teacher. And then Mm -hmm. after you've done that a few times, then you do a recital for your friends and family. After you do that, you do something more. And eventually, by the time you play Carnegie Hall, you've played venues that are smaller than Carnegie Hall, but close to that. Likewise, if you learn a a technique to make people feel comfortable sharing the motivations with you, and you do it with friends and family, and then you want to try it with your CEO, that's going to be a really big jump. Much more effective is to do it with some people that are a a little more out there than your friends and family, but maybe not the CEO, so maybe a yeah. peer, or uh, you could do it with someone that you know well at work, but you actually, usually you can practice with a group of people so that each of you can develop together, and then yeah. you work up to it. I mean, anxiety comes from big jumps in skill level, and that's going to be the same. Michael Jordan, when he was playing, if you put him from high school into NBA, that would have been too much of a jump. He would have got oh, yeah. to too. So you got to go in between. You got to, it's those baby steps is what handles the anxiety. So let's say I'm sitting in an office and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I see this thing that I really think could be improved if we did this and this and this. The first thing I should probably do is find like maybe two peers and maybe my department and talk to them about it, see if they're on board with wanting to change it. Then maybe moving up to potentially my boss. Then maybe after getting buy-in from them, maybe going cross department to some someone at a lateral scale and pitching them the idea. Then getting a few more people to buy in before we actually go up to maybe a C-level executive and go, look, this is something that we need to change before moving up in that C- <coughs> C-suite and that leadership level of things to go, oh, this is the idea that we had. We're all on board with this and this is how we want to roll it out or this is what we think we need to do to change it. So I heard two separate set of uh, separate progressions in what you asked. One is the, what you talked about, which is how to implement a particular strategy for making for getting heard and, and implementing something. Uh-huh. The other, which I didn't hear in what you said, was developing in yourself the skills to communicate effectively and to listen effectively, and to develop the, the empathetic skills and listening skills. So if you don't have those skills at all yet, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, if you're right out of school and you have a traditional compliance-based education, you're not really going to know, you're not going to have the social and emotional skills of leadership yet. To yeah. develop those, that I would do before even starting trying to do what you're, the, the implement a, a company strategy. If you don't have those skills, develop those skills. Once you have those skills, then I would do what you talk about. You, you, I mean, you have those skills. So for you, it's like natural. It probably, it, what, what you probably didn't get the skills naturally at the beginning, you probably had to work for them. Oh, like, yeah, it took a lot like of time, <laughs> a lot of effort, a lot of messing up. <laughs> yeah, and people laughing at you and feeling like you're out on a limb. And, yeah, it's, it's hard, which is why there are so few effective leaders. 
But man, the rewards are great because the relationships you end up having are, you know, people have your back, you have their back, you know why people are doing things, people go out on a limb for you, you go out on a limb for them, and it's, it's, it's very rewarding in a way that you don't get if it's all based on compliance and, and just authority. Yeah, so in regards to developing these skills, what are some great resources for people who are like, okay, I, I want to become a leader one day, I want to do these things, I have these ideas. What, where are some resources that people could really go out there to really build up these leadership skills? Well, there's only one way I can answer this. When I looked out at the, okay, I got my MBA and I took classes in leadership. And the classes were traditional education. So there were lectures, there was a lot of reading of psychology papers. There was a lot of case studies and we would discuss the case studies and we write papers about them. And then when I, and so I, I learned that there was something called leadership that you could in principle learn. But when I actually went out in the world and tried to practice these things, I was, I was like recalling a paper that I wrote, but I had, to trans- I had to translate that into action. So going into the world, it was as if I was starting from scratch. It's kind of like if someone tells you how to lift weights, but you don't actually lift the weights, that doesn't make you strong. Yeah. So I looked out, and as with performance, if you want to learn how to act or how to sing or how to dance, you have to do those things. If you take a class in music appreciation, that's not going to hurt you, but it doesn't necessarily teach you how to play, how to be a musician. And every resource that I found out there on leadership was what I would call leadership appreciation. It was pure principles of leadership, and here's how you could tell who was effective and who was ineffective, but they didn't actually help you lead. And the reason I wrote my book is that I created a set of exercises that are like scales, followed by simple pieces, followed by more complex pieces, followed by more, ever more complex pieces. And so... I, I'm, I'm answering your question, not trying to promote my book, but the reason I wrote it and <laughs> put it out there was that I didn't see something that would teach you starting from the fundamentals, the basics, and not so basic that they're not useful for anyone. I mean, LeBron James still practices his jump shots before the NBA finals. You know, Serena Williams mm-hmm. still practices ground strokes. So exercises like jump shots and ground strokes that are perennially valuable and then building and building and building up until some very advanced things that even some very seasoned, experienced leaders don't know how to do, but are very effective. So what I'm hearing here is that most of these leadership concepts that you hear out there, most of these programs, but you hear in the educational world, um, is basically a lot of theory and a lot of people just analyzing current examples of what's going on. But the only way to really go out there and become a true leader is by doing exercises and implementing exactly what these uh, skill sets are and trying them out in real life, whether it be in like a little group at school, whether it be in like a small little community, and then like building your way up from there, right? Like just learning in these types of environments that you can, maybe it's sports, maybe it's um, some kind of curriculum or something, and then getting those skills, practicing and building upon that practice. That's Yeah, that's what I find works. And it's because to develop social and emotional skills, you need to challenge yourself socially and emotionally. And writing papers doesn't do that. And watching TED Talks doesn't do that. You know, there's a lot of TED Talks on how to become a leader. There are no TED Talks on how to play piano. Because we know how to do it. There's no, there's no like, forefront. I mean, maybe some people are experimenting a little bit here and there. But it's not, like, if you want to learn, everyone who plays Carnegie Hall did the same thing. They played a lot of scales. Mm-hmm. They played a lot of pieces. And they practiced. And leadership is simply a less mature field 
And, but what's out there generally doesn't work as well because it hasn't yet taken over like the way that uh, how we teach other performance arts. And, huh. you know, this, so to have a progression with all those baby steps in between, that's a way that it doesn't get so, it doesn't cause so much anxiety and you can do it with other people. You can do it by yourself. You don't have to tell people that you're doing these things because they're, you know, unlike there's a lot of things out there that's like jazz for leaders or improv for leaders, classes that you can take, or uh, a, lot of, a lot of corporations have corporate uh, executive education, stuff like that. That stuff is really effective, but, you know, improv is something, I'm not sure if you've ever taken any improv classes, but, you know, it's really useful, especially for people who haven't done things like that before. But it's not, it's taking things from like Saturday Night Live, not from actual leadership. And so yeah. I think that leadership has... Like, I don't take practices from jazz or from Saturday Night Live. I take them from actual pra- the actual practice of leadership. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I haven't taken an improv class, but I've watched improv. And it's actually pretty interesting how people can really yeah. spew off stu- stuff at the top of their head. I'm like, wow, it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever do that. I mean, I could kind of do it if someone's talking about something um, uh, within my field of expertise, but... When it gets outside of that, it's like, wow, that's kind of really impressive how they could just spin it off like that. Well, now, what's amazing about all these fields is that anyone can learn them. If you, know, if you don't practice, you're not going to learn, but anyone can do Like, I've taken enough improv to feel comfortable doing it in front of people. I'm, I'm not, you know, on stage in front of a lot of people. I'm not getting people to pay me to watch, but it's really, it's amazing what you can learn when someone puts together the exercises to make it possible and you just, you know, you practice. And if, if you don't practice, you're not going to improve much. But if you do, anything that anyone, I mean, if you want to play jazz, if you want to play this instrument, if you want to, any, anything that other people do, they're human. You're human. And you can do it if they've, if they've done it. Nice. And this brings me to another question. Like when you look around in life, you see all these different people, your parents, your coworkers, your colleagues, your uh, schoolmates, your uh, peers, your friends, whatever it may be. And you see all these different people. Some people are putting their head down and working. Other people are like boasting about like how great they are. There's some people who don't really talk much about what they do. And then there's all these different types of personalities around. Like, how do you really define who that true leader is? Well, to me, the biggest measure of someone's leadership ability is how many followers they have or how enthusiastic their followers are. But I think that anyone, I think that anyone can lead. The question is not can they lead or not. Is The question to me is, is there something in their life that they want to lead on? Mm. So that if you're, like my mom lives in an area where they were going to do a lot of fracking and everyone agreed that everyone who lived there felt it was going to be bad for the environment there. No one really stepped up. And I mean, as it happened, the governor outlawed it for the state, but no one really stepped up. But if that was an opportunity for leadership that no one really connected with, but in other areas, people there, there might be someone who really likes it, like that area. Or the example I always think of is I think of a couple of great leaders. Oprah Winfrey, I think is one of the great leaders to, mm-hmm. today and for a long time. And she does talk shows and lots of other things, media and uh, General Patton was a great leader also uh, as a tank commander in World War II. Now, I don't think Oprah Winfrey would be a particularly effective tank commander had she been there in the time of World War II. I, I think her skills weren't quite appropriate for it. It doesn't seem like something she'd want to do. 
that doesn't take away from her being a tremendous leader in what she does. Likewise, I don't, I don't know how General Patton would do as a talk show host. I think it would be kind of interesting to watch. <laughs> but he, he didn't seem particularly you know, sensitive to get people to share. All, so, okay, so he's a great leader. She's a great leader. Would they, if you switch them, would they be, be great leaders at the other thing? I don't think so. Most people are great leaders with their children, but maybe not with their coworkers. But some, t- some are great with their coworkers and some with their... So you have to find what, what your passions are, what you're good at, and find where that overlap is. If you don't find it, keep looking because almost always you'll find something there. Most people say, well, I want to be like John Kennedy, and, but I'm not president, so I guess I can't do it, so I can't be a leader. But there's many areas of leadership, and the rewards are so fan- it, it, The emotional reward is so great that it's, I, I believe it's worth it to keep finding something. Well, some people prefer just to follow, and that's their business. But yeah. just because you can't lead the way that you first think of doesn't mean you can't get the rewards of leadership. So basically, to really sum things up, if you want to become a leader, what you have to do is, one, practice and hone down that skill set. Two, find something that's kind of like larger than yourself, like maybe something that a lot of people are interested in not happening, like fracking or something, or interested in having as well as something that you're actually passionate about and can stand behind. Uh, Three, go out and practice and go and get your peers and slowly move up to bigger networks to really go out there. And four, just implement and practice and see who really stands behind this effort that you have and that's basically really the key foundations to leadership, but it really all comes down to like execution and taking exercises and things that you really like talk about in your book, leadership step by step, right? Yeah, I have to put in one step, one point five between one and two. Sure. <laughs> that if a lot of people think you have to lead on something really huge and earth changing and amazing, and usually I find that that's that holds people back, lead on, if you're not prepared for something really big, take something small or even that you're not sure if it's going to be your big passion in life because doing something is better than trying to find the best thing. And it's actually the fastest route to find the best thing. So if there's no big thing for you, if you're not going to take on like some big earth shattering thing, start with what you got, anything. And even if it's not something that you love, it will lead you to what you love faster than analyzing or just thinking or answering questionnaires. So that action of lead something, lead your friends to figure out what movie you're going to go to or what dinner place you're going to go to and, you know, work up from there. Yeah, it's kind of like taking those baby steps when you go out there and you're learning your skill set and you're going through your peer groups. Kind of do the same thing with your leadership on exactly what you're going to execute too. Like if you want to change the world and um, solve starvation, that seems pretty ambitious as of today, especially if it's the beginning of your journey. But maybe if you want to go out there and see if you could help feed like five people or <clears throat> uh, work with like one tiny shelter. Like these are all actually great things to do. They move you in the right direction and they basically help you see if you could combine uh, other people together to help you within that mission as well so you don't have to go and take that whole pie and just eat it all up right away you can take baby steps too um so joshua spodek's here his book's leadership step by step uh you can always find him at joshuaspodek.com and um where could they find you on social media as well so the best place to find me, I guess I'm mostly on Twitter. I have some stuff on Facebook, although I'm decreasing my Facebook presence uh, as back down to where it used to be, which is not very much. 
Which one is the big place? And I'm Spodek there, S-P-O-D-E-K. Perfect. Thank you so much for uh, coming and joining us today and sharing your leadership tips. I really do appreciate it. Uh, You can also find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And thank you. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.